I want to look at a passage. I didn't initially intend to to go here, but I want to talk about this just for a bit. First Samuel chapter sixteen. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I believe the Lord wants to do some things tonight. First Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse 11. And this, this passage, the, the earlier parts of this chapter, which we will not read, is when Samuel the prophet goes to look for whom the Lord wants to anoint the next king. Saul is currently the king here. And Samuel is just doing his best to follow the Lord. And the Lord said, go here to this house, and there's the person that I'm going to anoint at that house. So verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch for him. We will not sit down till he come hither. He sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to, to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit, watch verse 14, we're going to keep reading. This is a sequence of events. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Verse 13, it says that when Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Verse 14 says, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. What happens here, what we're seeing here, from the time the Lord told Samuel, I'm ready to anoint the next king. It's almost like if you were watching a, a, a depiction of this, say, on a video, the, the scenery and all that would have to change in one scene to the next from wherever Saul was as the king to, to Jesse's house. And in the, set, in the changing of setting and the changing of scenery, it's almost like, okay, we're done talking about Saul for a bit. But it picks right back up as soon as David is anointed. It picks right back up with Saul and his condition that he's in. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from whom? An evil spirit from whom? And evil, we can't, no, we, we, it's hard to fathom something evil from the Lord, right? I mean, that kind of goes against the nature of 
what we teach and believe often. Uh, the, the Lord kind of started to speak this to me, I think, a little bit a few weeks ago when he, he showed me in Scripture. And you think about when Jesus, the man, was hanging on the cross and at the moment before he died, he says, My father, why hast thou forsaken me? And it says he cried aloud and all the anguish and all the things that that man Christ Jesus was feeling in that moment was a new feeling to him that he had never experienced to be apart from the spirit of God, the spirit of the father. But it was necessary for the man to die. And as long as the spirit of God dwelled and filled that body, it could not die. The Spirit of God is eternal. And you can't make an eternal spirit just die. I mean, you can, you can even hang him, on, you can robe him in flesh, hang him on a cross and do all the, the torment that was done. But as long as that eternal spirit was there, it was not going to die. So the eternal spirit had to leave. And at that moment was when Jesus felt... The Spirit depart him. He cried, My Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And then it says, He gave up the ghost. He died. His Spirit died. He was no longer. The Spirit of God obviously did not die. Now, it's a similar transaction that we're reading about here with what's, what Saul is going through. This whole chapter is about Saul and his condition. The Lord had to choose and anoint a new king because of Saul and his action and his disobedience and his sin and all the things that the Lord could no longer allow his chosen people to have this king follow in in that way. So it says the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. What I'm saying is I feel like the very worst thing that can happen to us as humans is for the Lord to remove his spirit from us. I cannot think of anything worse. You could cover my body head to toe with boils and blisters like happened to Job. But that is not worse than him removing his spirit from me. You can take uh, Job, you can take all of his children, all of his possessions, all that he cared about. And that is not worse than the Lord removing his spirit from him. So. The the worst state that we can be in is to be without the Lord. I think there's even an added layer and level of torment and trouble for those of us who have had his spirit, received his spirit, become an heir to his promise and And be standing in the kitchen while he's cooking the meal and smelling it. Oh, it's good. 
It sounds, it's, I hear the bacon popping. Man, it's, whew, those eggs are looking just right. It's perfect. I'm getting ready to partake. And then just before it's time to partake, leave and have all of that that he has made available to you taken away. So Saul, it says, an evil spirit from the Lord was sent to trouble him. Verse 15, and Saul's servants said unto him, These servants are going to practice some discernment here and some wisdom. King Saul, we've been with you for a while now. We were with you as you were anointed God's chosen king over his people. We got to see all the victories, all the high points, all those great and mighty things that the Lord did through you. And something has changed. You're no longer who you used to be. And they said... Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. God's allowing this to happen. So we, I'm going to pause for just a minute. This is not punishment from God. Punishment in the sense, oh, he's finally getting what he deserved because of all the terrible things he did. It's, it's what God allows when he removes his Holy Spirit. You are susceptible to all the things that you were not susceptible to as long as he was your savior, your protector, your king, your provider, your deliverer. As soon as he stops being that for you, open the floodgates. And that's what, Paul, that's what Saul is experiencing here. Let, verse 16, let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. That's an interesting... Uh, Prognosis. King Saul, we know what you need. You need a harp player, a harpist. You need a musician. That will cause your trouble to leave you. Think about the sequence of events that we're reading about in this chapter. It shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. That sounds good. I'm open to that. Let's try it. Verse 18, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing. And a mighty, valiant man. 
and a man of war and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Let me pause again and say, Saul should be thankful that he had these people in his life. He had surrounded himself with people of enough wisdom. And there it was, discernment that could say, you're not right. You're not who you are supposed to be. You're not yourself. And I have an idea of what's something you need. The help that you need. I know where we can find this. That's the kind of people I want around me. People that will step in and say, I don't know what's going on with you right now. I know something is going on with you. I can't put my finger on it. But you're not who you're supposed to be. You're not acting like yourself. You're not talking like like yourself. We've been with you. We've seen you. We've seen the evidence of what God's Spirit through you can do. And it's not there, brother. So I've seen the son of Jesse. He's cunning and playing. He's mighty. The Lord is with him. Verse 19. Wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse... And said, Send me David, thy son, which is with the sheep. Just a few verses before this, we saw what happened to David in Jesse's house. But Saul is unaware of this. Saul does not know. Think about it. I'm just connecting a couple of dots here for a minute. Saul is the anointed king. He does not know that the the person who's going to replace him is the one who was just proposed to him as the solution to his problem. All he knows is, I'm leaning on the advice of my servant for a minute. And it sounds like it could be helpful to me. Send David, the one that keeps the sheep. Verse 21, and David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. What must it be like to be David in this setting of events? All I'm doing is out here doing what my dad told me to do, keeping the sheep. And and the next thing I know, the prophet from God is dumping oil on my head, making all these promises. And, and, And now it's like, you know, I don't know what happened, but some kind of spiritual transformation took place. And, um, I guess I'm supposed to go back to watching the sheep. And then, from the prophet of God and his company. Next comes the king's messengers. 
what is going on here? Something's happening. We, we don't get these visitors every day. I don't, I'm not used to seeing the caravan coming down my trail. And now it's from the prophet to the king. And now here I am now standing in front of the king. And he says he, he loved him. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. You think the Lord was orchestrating something here? And it came to pass, when the... I think this is interesting. Side note, if you've got a King James Version in front of you, the word evil might be in italics. It is on my mind here. And, and you, some of you might have heard this before, but when you see a word in italics, does anybody see that word evil in italics in the Bible they're looking at? When you see a word in italics, what that means is, it's, what I've heard it say is, the honesty of the translators to say this word is not in the original language, but we've inserted it to help make the picture more clear. So you could take the word evil out of this, of this particular uh, sentence. You still get what God was doing. It came to pass when the spirit from God was upon Saul. But as the evil spirit, the one that's troubling him. Remember, the spirit of God has already departed Saul. And now whenever a spirit from God is upon Saul, it's this other type. It's what God's allowing to work in Saul, on him, through him. He's feeling all this stuff. Whenever... That spirit was upon Saul. David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well. It very well could be something along those lines. Uh, it, this scripture does not label it that um, specifically. But all Saul knew is stuff happening to him. I don't, I don't think Saul was really deceived into thinking that the Lord is still doing the great and mighty things through him that he had been doing all along. He was troubled. So that's kind of the key here to know what is this spirit producing in Saul? It's troubling. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly right. Uh huh. Terrified. Uh huh. Right. Right. And it's he 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 went from being confident Saul to terrified Saul. Yes, there is a word for that that we use: anxiety. I'm going to tell you another one, paranoia. Fear. It's all, it's all, it's all different ways of, it, of describing what Saul was going through the moment the Spirit of the Lord departed him. The Lord didn't just decide, I don't like you anymore, Saul. I'm going to move on. He doesn't do that. But, but Saul, through his heart, through his actions, had d- displayed enough for God to know, okay, because of you and your decision, I'm moving on. And as, as what Brother Van said, that shift that took place caused Saul to have the front row seat to what it meant for the Lord to be moving on. So much so that the individual that he was going to choose next, he's standing right there in front of him. He's literally ministering to him. It says it. When, when, he, when David played this harp, the evil spirit departed from him. Now what this means is, David entered the room and the Spirit of the Lord that was with and on David couldn't cohabitate with the evil spirit that was right there next to him. I I say cohabitate. One of these two has to be the dominating factor. And the Spirit of the Lord, when it's in action, when it's allowed to operate and recognized and going through and working, it's not going to be subdued. It's not going to be cowered over in the corner or terrified and just, oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm in the palace, I know, but, but he's the king and whatever he says goes. No. David brought with him the dominant factor in the equation. The Spirit of the Lord. Now, spirits understand authority a lot better than we do sometimes. I mean, we, we have to pause, get out your chart... Uh, try to examine yourself uh, spiritually and, and, and even go as far as try to examine who else is around and the authority. And man, I don't know if, 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 if pastor's not prayed up, 
I really don't know how much faith I can have in His authority. And if I'm not prayed up, I really don't know how much faith... You think spirits go through that every time they want to do something? They understand authority. And so as David would choose to minister and just simply allow and participate with the work that God had put him in place to do, then he's allowing the Spirit of God to operate in him, through him, to such a degree that the other spirits that the Lord was allowing had to be subdued. Had to depart. Now, does that mean... Does that mean... Uh, Saul could just say, hang on, I'm going to get my tape recorder out here and I'm going to, you know, you play that harp. I'm going to record this enough because I know your fingers are going to get tired. I know you need rest and, you know, we we got other things we got to do. We got to go out here and do this and we've got got an agenda. You do and I do. (laughs) The moment... the dominant spirit of the Lord is removed from the equation, the next one just simply slides right back in. And decides, it's party time, heyday, while the boss is away. And then they they get to run rampant again. And then Saul is just in this back and forth uh, the only relief, he, he's, not, he's not even looking for deliverance, he's just looking for relief. And the only relief that he's been able to identify is when someone with the Spirit of God that is a dominant spirit to the evil that I am subjected to, when they can come into the picture and do their thing, I get relief. Problem is, too many people are satisfied with relief, temporary relief. And this, this applies across the board. We, we think, well, this is, uh, I'm going to say this, don't, don't, don't let me lose you. This is a holy place because the Spirit of God dwells here. But it is a holy place because you're here, I'm here, His Spirit is in us. It's in His Word that says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. But we could misconstrue that to the point, this is just my relief building. And I need to get into the relief building to get some relief. That is not, hear me, that is not a walk with God. That is not a relationship That's as much of a relationship with God as Saul had with God in this state. Temporary relief. My mind goes back to that story that Bishop shared on Sunday about the funeral situation and and, and a a lady kind of complaining, this preacher decided to preach at a funeral. You know, you don't preach. Where's the, where's the respect? Where's the reverence? I mean, you just, you had a funeral. You're supposed to, what, what did Bishop say? No, 
I believe a man should do what God tells him to do anytime, anywhere. That is the walk with God. That's the relationship with God. If nothing else, what this tells me is why I need a relationship with God. First of all, I don't ever want to be in Saul's shoes. Each one of you here, each one of you here, the Lord would choose to open up your heart, put his spirit inside you, and say, I have a work I want to do through you. I have a plan for your life. I have an anointing for your life. Each one of us. Now that does two things. That, that helps me identify with David. But you, don't you remember Saul was the first anointed King, it helps me identify with Saul just as much as it helps me identify with David because the Lord chose Saul to be the king, to, to, to be the anointed king. Just like he went through those links to find David and anoint him, he went through the links to find Saul and told the prophet, anoint this man. I, I, I am choosing him. And so I've got to, uh, 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 when I admit and I, and I surrender to the, to the will of the Lord and say, yes, I believe you've got a calling on my life. You, you can use me and, and I make myself available for you to use me. Saul did all of that. So the Lord can and will and wants to do eat this in each of us. The question is, Will, will we remain faithful to Him, to His calling, to His anointing? We, we, we have to be careful because it's, it's not anything great about us that would cause the Lord to choose us and anoint us. It's not about us. And, and what, whatever we think we can provide to a situation. It's the Lord's choosing. Scripture says, He raises one up, sets down another. He chooses. So when He comes into your life and says, I chose you. We just say thank you. I make myself open to that. I receive that. I am not worthy of that. But that's only one side. That's I don't get to as soon, oh, 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 I'm trying to I'm trying to get there. As soon as he chooses you, as soon as he anoints you, you no longer get to say, I'm not doing that because I'm not worthy. 
That's called false humility. False humility to say, oh, I could never do something that like that. that. David didn't have it. Saul didn't have it. That's the, that's the Lord's choosing. Think about the prodigal son. I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. How? What would it have felt like if the father said, Yeah, I know, man. You're right. I just don't know if I can accept you back as my son. I do have an opening for a servant. (laughs) The father didn't even let him get through that thought before he said, nope, I am going to restore you. And you better turn the frown upside down. Because you are my son. What you do cannot change that. How far away you go cannot change that. You are my son because you are my son. Not because you lived in my house till you were 18. You are my son. So it, it helps me realize why I need the relationship. Why I've got to be at all times surrendered and open to the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you tonight, God. Father, I believe you're speaking to us. Your word is speaking to us and calling to us. To each person, God, to every heart. Lord, it's our desire to be submitted to you, to be used in your kingdom. It's our desire, Lord, to see your plan fulfilled in our lives. Whatever it is you want to do, Lord... You're the one that calls. You're the one that chooses. You're the one that anoints, oh God. Jesus, you have a plan and a purpose for each person in this room. Only you, God, know all the great and mighty things that you would do through each of us. Lord, help us to remain faithful to you. Faithful to your calling. In the name of Jesus, he katahaye atahaya, he adalosatahaye isatahaye, ni adamahasakatahaya. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we're not here for temporary relief. We're not here just because of a day on the calendar. We need to be obedient to the Lord. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I make myself available to you, O oh God. Whatever you want to do in my life. Come on, why don't you stand? I believe the Lord wants to do some things here. Let him solidify his calling and his purpose over your life. Jesus, you've chosen us for this time. You've chosen us for this hour, Lord Jesus. It is your plan. It is your purpose, your will that we want to see done in the earth. It's your plan and purpose we want to see done in our lives, God. In this church, in this city, in the lives of those that we come in contact with, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, I make myself a conduit for your spirit to flow through, for your anointing to flow through. I make myself open, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I feel the anointing of the Lord being poured out over this group right now. I feel it. It's His calling. It's His choosing. It's His work that He wants to accomplish. He kasata haye. He alandaramahasata haye. In the name of Jesus. Come on, this is not about us. It's about His people. It's about His children. Those that He wants to bring into the fold. It's about the co-workers. It's about the family members. It's about the friends, those who are on the fringe and are waiting for someone to speak to them, waiting for someone to open up as a vessel that the Spirit of the Lord could flow through. You can do all things, Jesus. Lord, I believe you want to use me. I believe you want to use me. You want to work through our lives, Father. Why don't you let the Lord lead you to pray for someone right now? So He can put somebody on your mind. He can put somebody in your spirit. And you can go to prayer for them. Interceding on their behalf. Don't let me be lost for eternity, for above all else, I must be saved. You
can work through every obstacle, Lord Jesus. You can work through every trial, Lord God. You can work through every hardship, Lord. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing too difficult for you. All of your promises are sure. I claim it in the name of Jesus. I claim it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're standing in the gap right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. right now. for backsliders right now. I wouldn't hesitate to say each one of you knows as many or more than I do that through this time and this time of prayer the Lord can reach to. He want, scripture says I have other sheep not of this fold that I want to bring into this fold. I'm going to bring into this fold. It's his plan to add to the church. We don't have to try to think of some great way. Uh, maybe if we just do it this way, the right way, he'll add. It's his plan. It's his nature to add to the church. It's in his plan. 
It's his, his nature to forgive. It's in his nature to forgive. There's, no, there's not one person that wants to see a backslider saved more than the Lord. All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth. Come on, let's pray right now. Yield yourself to the Lord and let Him pray through you. I, I declare it tonight in Jesus' name. I declare it tonight in Jesus' name. I speak restoration right now, Father. I believe even this moment, Lord, your hand is reaching. Your hand is reaching, Lord. We expect it, Jesus. We expect to see them return, Lord. We expect to see them brought into your fold, brought into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, over every seed that has been sown, over every seed that's been sown, Jesus, I declare it by the authority of your word. By the authority of your word, Jesus, your word says that it will not return void, it is not in vain. We loose it to work tonight, Father. We loose it to work tonight, Jesus. Lord, turn the hearts back. Turn the minds back, Lord. Jesus, let it be open to you. Let it be softened, Lord Jesus. Let it be softened, Lord to be ground that you can work in. To be ground, Lord, that you can work in and produce, Lord. I pray truth be restored. I pray truth be restored. Come on, if you want to come to the front, we're just going to keep praying. Let the Lord lead you to pray. 